I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. I am so excited about today's episode of the podcast because today we're doing the year in review. So we're going to talk about the highs, the lows, the mediums. Actually, you know what? Forget the mediums. The highs and lows are that much more interesting. So we're going to do that. And we're going to do it through a series of questions that our wonderful producer, Sarah, has given us. So we don't know what these questions are going to be. They're going to pop up one by one. We're going to do it back and forth like a tennis match, okay? Okay, and these are our highs and lows, not the poor old world we're living in. And hopefully those will be somewhat relatable for our listeners. So I'm going to start off with the first question, which is, did you do something in 2023 that you have never done before? And please keep it clean, Debbie. (laughs) Oh, oh, um, gosh. This could be like a dish that you've never eaten before. It could be a place you've never been. It could be meeting someone new that you found fascinating. Oh, you go first and let me think about that one. You keep it clean. (laughs) You go first, you go first. Well, mine is more sort of like a little bit of a professional thing. I don't know whether it was a high or low, but I actually fired a client like a design client this year for the first time in my entire career. I've been doing this for 27 years. You fired the client? Uh-huh. I had never gotten to the point where I had to say, I'm sorry, but this just isn't going to work. And so that happened, which was awful, actually. But also somewhat, I have to admit, it was somewhat liberating to actually just kind of stick up for myself. And, you know, this person had not been nice to the project manager that I was working with, and I just kind of finally had it. So that was an interesting first for me. It was unexpected, certainly, but it was definitely the very, very first time. And I hope the last time that um, I've done that. So tell us, what did the client do? That's what everybody wants to know. (laughs) I mean, I I don't want to go into too many specifics because I do have like, in, in terms of professional ethics, I can't disclose who it was or whatever. The interesting thing about it, which is an aspect of it that I hadn't really thought through, is that we'll never see the results of all of our hard work. And I had asked, I had said, would you send me photos of what's been done and completed so that we can see and make sure. And I had offered, I said, you know, I'm, of course, I'm happy to make sure that everything gets reviewed and I'll look at everything to make sure that it's been done properly. So you have some professional oversight in terms of what's been installed in the house. Uh, No pictures were forthcoming. So I'll just never know. Oh my God. So that was awful. Okay. So that's me. Over to you, Debbie. Well, if you're talking about work... So I've been writing a lot this year on this book and, you know, writing is a a very strange process because it really takes you down pathways that you sometimes you don't want to go. And even though this book is not a biography, it is actually slightly autobiographical um, and it's quite poignant. It's quite difficult to do. And and I think it's, um, it's a great lesson for a lot of people to write down maybe a story from the past or something that really kind of has stayed with them, maybe a trauma or something that's happened because it's, it, it's a great um, exercise. And when we do uh, our retreats, we give everybody an envelope with blank paper inside and the envelope has their name and address on it. And they all look like uh, a little bit shocked. And I always say to them, um, okay, this is, uh, this is the bill. <laughs> that doesn't go down very well. But basically what we do it kind of the day before they leave. And the point of that is that they're more relaxed. You know, they're, they're having fun. They've made friends. But they write a letter to themselves that we'll post to them in a year. 
And oh, wow. it's, oh, we'll do this when you come next time. It is really something. People write to us and say, you know, like life had gone on and I'm doing this and I'm doing, you know, whatever. And suddenly this letter comes through the post and I'd completely wow. forgotten about it. And you open That's it up. Cool. It's a very cool exercise. And it could be something, I think it would be a great New Year's resolution type thing. And we can talk about that in January. You know, you write about what you'd like to achieve mentally, yeah. physically, everything over the over the next year, and then you send it to yourself and did you do it? It could be a little depressing. Yeah. So that was something that I've never done before. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good exercise. Yeah. And yeah. I hope we do do it when I'm there in the springtime of 2024. You know, not everybody's writing books, but um, you know, that's it. If you've got, you know, if it's a gloomy February week or something, you know, and, and there is something that one day you wish you'd like to share with your family, you know, write it down. You'd, you'd be very honest. And, and, and it's the honesty side because it's very hard actually not to be honest with yourself. You, you kind of, in life, we, you know, we cover over a lot of hardships with humor and, and fun, you know, and a smile on our face. Because mm -hmm. we don't want to let stuff out. And we, you know, we have a persona that we want to give. But when you write, it's virtually impossible to do that. You remember the movie with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, where she's, it was that beautiful, beautiful house in the Hamptons. And um, oh, that was called Something's Gotta Give. That's it. That's it. And she's writing um, a novel, I think. She's writing this stuff. And sobbing as she's doing it. Well, it's a bit like that. <laughs> so that was something that I've never really gone quite that far down, could have been therapy, down that path. And that was tough. I think that's a really good thing to mention in the sense that, you know, sometimes things that we have done before can feel brand new or can reveal elements of that activity or of that thing that you had never really explored before. So Sometimes old old things or old practices like writing, which you've done many times, can feel like a new experience. And I, and I think that's that's a really great thing to highlight. Yeah. I mean, I, I love writing. I, I really love it. And I love I do re too. reading. Um, it doesn't mean you're good at it, but for me, it is a challenge. I think we're both good at writing and we're both really good at talking. I'm very good at talking, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, that's the hard thing because... Talking is quite e well for me and you. It's quite easy, but it's yeah. like telling a joke on a stage, and then you try and write mm -hmm. it down, and and it can be very dry. Yeah, does it come off the same? No, it doesn't. No. And that's what. So I tend to whatever I write, I'm reading out to people all the time. But you know, because it helps me. Anyway, next question. Okay, what was the best buy of the year? Something you purchased you love? Something useful? Something as a little gift for yourself? Okay, well, I, I can answer that. Best thing I purchased this year, probably the most expensive thing I've ever bought in my life, is Whoa. is Billy. Was it a tiara? No, well, I, who, who needs a tiara today? Who needs a fancy car? I can't afford one. Um, no, we bought the the puppy Billy, and oh, yeah. um, you know he's just an everyday expense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's the best thing I've you know ever done, and and um, life changing, and you know I've gone from completely disinterested in animals to, you know, petting donkeys on the side of the road. It's like having another child. It's, it's brought back all that motherly instinct. And, and you, I think 
when you don't have a pet and life goes on, you know, you don't even notice. It's just nothing. When you've had a pet taken away from you, which I did when Alfie died, it's like there's a hole. It's like, you know, you walk down to the, you know, down to the vegetable garden. It's like there should be somebody running along beside you. So we waited six months and he came uh, to us at the beginning of June. So he's, um, he's a complete delight. He's so clever um he's reading now so he, he'll when we get to best book if there's a best book thing he'll he'll answer that one that's without doubt the best thing but we are a little bit more nervous than we were with Alfie because of what happened and um yes and and that's natural of course and and that will probably start to go away over time when you realize that you know that was such a freak accident you know it was really and fine. and we're going to be in London, and that's a whole different ballgame because this poor dog is used to running around on all this wonderful land in Tuscany. And suddenly, you know, yes. I've had to get special insurance. You know, if you knock somebody off a bicycle or, you know, runs off or, uh, you know. Yeah, he has, to, he has to learn to be the international traveling family that he's in. Yeah, I actually got a Christmas present off a friend last night and I opened it up and it was a box of poo bags because I'd never even had a poo bag. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's in the, in the woods all the time. So yes. Very practical gift. I mean, jam or candles, also practical, but let's not split hairs. Who bags? So what's yours? What's the did you buy yourself anything nice? You know, I feel like I always buy lots of things over the course of the year, of course. But I feel like this year, the thing that I purchased that kind of brought me the most joy. So I consider it a good buy if it's something that's an investment that actually gives you a return is for the first time in years, like since probably like before the pandemic, I actually bought some new clothing. Oh my God. And I have purchased clothing, obviously, you know, basics like socks and underwear and, and you know, a few shirts here and there, but I hadn't really bought like, you know, a new coat or a few pairs of new pants, a nice new pair of jeans. So I went on a mini shopping spree this fall and I cannot tell you what a lift it gave me. I mean, we talk about fashion being frivolous it can be, but it can also be a really confidence building kind of a thing, which I've always known. And so for me, it was just a nice reminder that, you know, as we crawl back from the financial disaster that for most people, the pandemic was, unless you're Jeff Bezos, being able to add in and fold in some of those regular things that I used to do. You know, when you and I were in television, there was always this need to refresh your wardrobe because you couldn't just wear the same thing over and over again on camera. Now that I've kind of gone away from TV, you know, I used to get like, you know, a few thousand dollars every season of television just to go out and buy new clothes. I don't get that anymore. So it's been a long time. And yeah. I was and I feel I feel a little more of a spring in my step. But also I think you get it you can get into a rut with clothes. So I think you can, you know, it's like why bother, why bother and stuff. And one of the amazing things about being in Italy is they don't walk around the streets like schleppers, you know. They don't no. wear hoodies. They don't wear, you know. And I'm on the farm all day, you know. So all my shoes are scuffed and got holes in. Yeah, and, they know, get whatever. trashed. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I've got sweatpants on and an old T-shirt. And and then suddenly, you know, you go out, you want that high. Like you said, it gives you a lift. And last night I had, I went to an amazing restaurant called La Bandita. If anybody comes to Tuscany, it's an amazing um place owned by an American and um, they did an Asian night last night, Asian food. Oh, that's fun. And oh, you have no idea when all you eat is pasta. And anyway, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. And there were six girlfriends went 
you know, and I really made an effort, you know, I, I washed my hair, you know, put on some sequin <laughs> pants, a velvet shirt. And Ooh. yeah, I look really, I think I look really good. Like I walked downstairs and Hans wasn't invited because he wasn't a girl. And, and he was like, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going out with the girls. Whoa, you look good. So, and immediately you feel good. Because <laughs> That's you, you, nice. Yeah. And then, and then, of course, during dinner, I looked down at my hands thinking, oh my God, I have to get a manicure. But I think it's good for the soul. And I actually find it awful when I go out anywhere in the world, if I go to a restaurant and people don't make an effort. I don't mean putting oh, yeah. on the latest Versace, whatever, whatever. No. But I mean, don't wear a hoodie in a restaurant unless it's a burger bar or something. You know, I, I find it quite offensive. I always dress up to go out for dinner, even if it's casual, you know, like dressing a shirt with a collar. And, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to do no matter what the quality or the price point of your wardrobe is. Exactly. You can still make an effort. If you watch, say, like Downton Abbey, which is another era, what, 1930s or something, 1940s, you know, and you're watching them change for dinner. Yeah, it's tuxedos. That's the way it was. So that's a little bit, yeah, ex- you know, obviously we're not going to do that. Let's bring that back. Let's well, do that at the retreat in the spring. We'll all come down in gowns and tuxedos for dinner. You know what we do at the retreats? We change. Jackie and I put yes. on a dress. Even you do. we're just having dinner and we're not even eating with them, but you know, we have drinks with them and then 20 people yeah. sit down for dinner. And you know, the first day, nothing has to be said. Nobody has to be bossy, but they go, Oh, well, they've made an effort. And it's just a matter of taking yeah. off your daytime clothes because some people will wear the same clothes from yoga in the morning to hiking to going out all day. And then they'll sit down for dinner in it and you're having a fabulous meal that's that's catered, yes. that, you know, a chef's doing. It's not supper in front of the television. I think you should make an effort. And, and, and you know, I mean, maybe some people are offended at me saying I'm offended, but, you know, we spend so much time in front of the telly. When you go out, and it's so expensive to go out today, yes, anywhere. It is. It's a treat. Why not put on a, a fresh shirt or something like that? You know, I feel quite adamant about that. A frock. Yeah, Just a frock. A, frock. <laughs> a nice frock, do you? Okay, next question. What was your favorite travel moment of 2023, Debbie? My favorite travel moment? I mean, you were on some pretty spectacular beaches that I saw. I don't Uh, know if that factors in. Uh, Absolutely. So when our producer told us we were going to be doing this, I couldn't remember what I did this morning. And I'm like, the whole year? (laughs) How do I remember that? So I went to my calendar and all I could find (laughs) on my calendar was you know, haircut appointments, lists, get dog food, you know, I mean, like, whatever. But Call um, Tommy. Oh, yeah, call (laughs) Tommy. So I didn't travel as much as I have done in all the years, in my last kind of 20-odd years, where travel Mm. was really a lot of work. And and sometimes um, I would take myself once a year to a spa or a retreat somewhere in the world. So I didn't do any of that, but I traveled a lot within Italy. And we have found this beautiful place on the coast. And it's interesting because a lot of people don't come to Tuscany for the coast. The coast is huge and amazing beaches. I mean, not Caribbean style beaches, but no high rises, really fabulous. Um, They have things called wild beaches and a wild beach means there's no concessions. There's no burger stands. There's no bar. You know, there's not a lot going on. So of course Mm. the Italians don't go there. They go to the crazy side of the beach where, you know, there's, there's places to eat and toilets and, and showers and, and, and all their friends and they're toe to toe to toe. And that's what they mm-hmm. like. Yes. 
I've seen that. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, it's crazy. Either side of these cramped beaches are these magnificent, quiet beaches. And you're like, where is everybody? And it's like, oh, we don't want to be here because we want to be with, you know, my next door neighbor. Like, auntie. why don't they want that? I don't understand why they don't want the empty beach. I know. I That's know. It's, like it, a fantasy. It's, it's culture because the Italians like to do things en masse. They love mm-hmm. to be in crowds. They love to be... I think yeah. I mentioned this once before when we did our travel podcast. Um, I talked about how they go on holiday together. So my village... Well, didn't the Italians invent the orgy? <laughs> well, that was the Romans, probably. Yeah, yeah, yes. probably. But, yeah. They, but they, the whole village will go, you know, from the octogenarians, the old people, to the, to the kids. They'll all go together. Mm-hmm. And they go to the same resorts every year in August, and that's their holiday. And they are jam, jam-packed. I mean, I never go to the beach in August. But we went at the end of June, and we rented this incredible brand-new cabin in the sand dunes, and you know you're you're always set up for disappointment. I am absolutely an expert on yes. whether it's Airbnb or a rental house or whatever. I can see a lamp and I know it it's a shit job, you know. Yes, of course. Yeah. You're good at choosing because you've had experience. Oh, I've had yeah. experience of, of bad experiences. So we were so pleasantly surprised at this cabin. It was two bedrooms, two bathrooms, and two outside bathrooms. It was not expensive. It had the best, my favorite restaurant in the whole world. You walk through the sand dunes, and there on this beach was this restaurant. So we did that three times this year, and it's only two hours from wow. where we live in the countryside. Because I live in paradise, but the only thing I don't have. Is the coast. Is, is, is the, the ocean, yes. Yeah. So what was your best trip? You traveled a lot. Um, so mine, I don't know if I told you about this, but a couple of months ago, at the very end of September, my dear friends, Eden and Jim, who live in San Francisco, threw a party that they called the Just Because Bash. Ooh. And it was literally, they hadn't seen their friends or had a big party in a few years because of the pandemic. And so they just decided to have this huge party. So Eden is from Toronto and Jim is from the Bay Area in the United States. So all of their American friends from the San Francisco Bay Area and all of their Canadian friends who flew down for this party came together as one group. There was a gorgeous sit-down dinner and then a surprise live band that had been flown up from Los Angeles, this incredible live band. And we danced until about four o'clock in the morning. We had the best meal. I kept saying it was like a wedding, only without the pressure and without the parents. (laughs) (laughs) It was, and it was terribly extravagant. And and obviously this is something that they're not going to do probably ever again, because I'm sure that they went to extraordinary expense and of course, time, incredible amount of time planning it. But it was just so special. I mean, it's just not something that you get to do every day. And, you know, I always miss them because they live in California. I also had not been to San Francisco in at least five or six years. And it's such an amazing city. As far as California goes, it's probably the most culturally sophisticated city in California. Oh, yeah, definitely. The opera is incredible. The music scene there is incredible. The food scene. Um, it's a very, it always has been a really culturally sophisticated place. So I had a really enjoyable time spending a few days there. And then I went down to LA, which is more like a void of culture, but it was a, it was an interesting sort of dual California trip. And I, I, I think it was really my highlight of the year just because the party was so great. Oh. I love a great party. 
Me too. Well, we, we do a bash like that every couple of years, three every three years or something, where we just invite mm. everybody and from everywhere, yeah. Doesn't have to be a reason, does there? And you know, and everybody no. chips in and, and I, I love it. And and you know what? Life is so short that I don't want to say, Oh, you know, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd done that. And our our parties have become quite legendary, I think, here. And, and you know, we've got tents up, people sleeping everywhere. And it's, it's I love it. I, I, so good, yeah. good on you and good on your friends for actually doing it. We're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tommy Smythe here. Thank God I have a few minutes to myself without my co-host. <laughs> I mean, you've been there. You've been overwhelmed before, too. I think most people carry around some kind of stress. And here at the Trust Me Pod, it's, Debbie, did you put your devices on Do Not Disturb? Debbie, do you have your microphone? (laughs) And when we have a guest, I just hope to get in one little question. Listen, sometimes it's hard to keep all your feelings all bottled up because you know what happens when you do. It bubbles over, you lose your cool, and maybe you take it out on someone you love. Obviously, I love Debbie. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. Whether you're in Toronto or Tuscany, BetterHelp will fit your schedule. Get it off your chest. Visit betterhelp.com decorator to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com decorator. A big part of design and decoration for us, and everyone really, is putting your memories on display. When my children went away to camp, it was the first time we'd kind of not been together, and they both wrote me letters, and they were probably eight and nine years old, and they are the funniest letters, and I framed them, put them up on the wall, and I see them every day, and sometimes if I feel a bit down, I just read those letters, mostly asking me for more candy, but I think framing a letter is a wonderful thing. That is why we love the idea of FrameBridge. They honestly make it so easy to get anything framed, and they're really, truly affordable. It's easy to do in person at one of their 20 FrameBridge retail stores, and... It's so easy to order online at FrameBridge.com. You just upload a photo for them to print. Picking the frame was really easy, but also really hard because there were so many options. I went for Walnut, which is a solid Walnut frame, but I think next time I'll go for Florence and they'll mail it to you using their free, secure, prepaid packaging service. FrameBridge has been trusted to frame millions of our memories. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store. You can custom frame just about anything. Again, that's FrameBridge.com. Okay, we've got our next question up. What was your biggest laugh of 2023? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, you and I both laugh a lot. I think it's probably why we look so incredibly young. <laughs> <laughs> I like it's that. Well, definitely not the booze. So it must be the laughter. Um, that's a really tough one for me because I do laugh so much and so many things to me are funny. For me, it's more almost like what were the consistent funny things, like the things that just kept being funny over and over and over again. And I derive a lot of pleasure from certain accounts that I follow on Instagram. And I will tell you that there's one account where every time I go and look at it and see what they've posted on this Instagram account, I cannot stop laughing. And it's a terrible thing to admit 
but it's called Kids Getting Hurt. And it's videos. <laughs> it's videos of little kids falling down or getting hit by, you know, their sister on a bike or, you know, like just sliding down a slide and going, you know, ass over tea kettle and falling flat on their faces. In every case, there are disclaimers that the kids are fine. Kids are quite resilient and they're quite bendy. But it is so funny. Like there'll be one where like a giant kid is like jumping on a trampoline and bounces the other kid off and he goes flying off into the distance and hits a tree or something. <laughs> just find it. I think so it says a funny. lot more about you than it does about that. But yeah. Oh, oh God. my gosh, it does. I know. It's terrible to admit, but I have to be honest. It really is the thing that I, I have found consistently the most funny. I don't know if when people listen to this podcast, their follower numbers will either go up or down. Oh my God. Well, that, that's the good side of Instagram. I'll send you the link to kids getting hurt. You're going to, oh, yeah, you, you won't wait. believe how funny it is. <laughs> but I think also what, you know, laughter to me is the most important gift in a way. As you know, Brits have a, an amazing sense of humor and, you know. Oh yeah, unique actually. Yeah. I mean, it's getting a little woke, but not like the rest of the world, but you know, you'll even have the weather person saying stuff that you're thinking, did they say that, you know, out loud, you know? Oh yeah. Um, but this week I laughed so hard because I was in London and the boiler broke. It blew up. It's effing broke. Oh my boiler. God. Yeah. There was nothing left. So I had no heat and England had a, a freeze, you know, out of oh, nowhere. They've had snow. <laughs> they've had, I'm warning you, it's freezing. Anyway. Um, and I was down to seven degrees. So as I came down the stairs, it got. It was like walking into a cave, and, and in the end, I couldn't. I couldn't sit on the ground floor, so I had to sit under five duvets and everything. I was frozen. I had to go outside to warm up. Why on earth didn't you just get on the bus and go to the Savoy? <laughs> the pub's got a few rooms down the road, but uh, not the Savoy. Anyway, it was really, really cold. And when I got back, uh, like four days ago. Hans picked me up in Florence. I was feeling fine. And by the time I got to the house, it was like this cold built up. Like first my throat gets all oh, scratchy. No. And my nose is dripping. I mean, the whole thing. Anyway, so for a day, it was only like a 48-hour thing. I sneezed and I was like this. Then, of course, I'm better and Hans got it. So yesterday I walk in the kitchen and he's the most disgusting sneezer and cougher. Oh, like, no. Like, and I'm just, I said, for fuck's sake, did you have to sneeze so badly? And he... <laughs> he oh, kind of no. looks at me, you know. So, the, you know, the oh, difference was when, when I was sick, I stayed in bed and he brought cups of tea up all day and it was really nice. I'm standing there like this fishwife. Would you please stop? Yeah. This obviously <laughs> repulsive thing, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I thought that was really funny. But I think the funniest thing that happened to me this year, I mean, obviously they're hard to remember because they're always daily things. But, you know, I did this surprise party for my BFF. So I brought Jackie's her sister, who is the, probably the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Anyway, 10 of our best friends. And to pull one over, you know, on any other woman yeah. is impossible. On Jackie, it's impossible. And it was so difficult. Anyway, you know, like, why are you buying food? And why? Because we were between retreats, so we kind of don't eat much and we're, we're just relaxing. And you could tell, so, you know, why are you putting flowers in that room? Nothing. Uh, honestly, nothing, Jackie. Or are you talking about me? Or what? You know, anyway, it was going on yeah, all yeah. the time like this. So we had it planned to the T that they were arriving in a, in a van 
and we'd get rid of the van, pay the van, he'd leave. And then they were going to come down the driveway dressed as nuns. And the reason why, <laughs> we actually have five churches in this tiny village, but one of them's quite important. And often the nuns come up from Rome and God knows what they're doing in there. But so then they go for walks and they're always <laughs> bloody going down my driveway. So sometimes I I don't like nuns very much. And that's a whole other story. You'll have to read my book. But anyway, so I said to Jackie, can you tell the nuns to bugger off, you know? So she's, <laughs> like, she's lying by the pool. It was September, so it was really hot. And everybody's here. They're all hiding behind cypress trees on the driveway, all in full black nun outfits with the big cross down the middle, wow. hanging around their necks, the whole habit on their heads. So and, good. and Jackie doesn't have very good long, <laughs> long eyesight. So her son was here and, and he said, Auntie Debbie says, can you get rid of the nuns? They're coming down the driveway. And she says, why doesn't Debbie do it? So, of course, you know, guys aren't as good as this. So he comes running back. Why can't you do it? I said, tell her oh my I'm God. busy <laughs> on a phone call. So she's busy on a phone call. Jackie goes, no, she's not. And look, just tell her something. Go to the thing. So she's really pissed off. So she gets, so she gets to the driveway. And coming down, you know, there's a line of cypress trees. All these nuns yeah. start dancing down, but they were also carrying bottles of gin. <laughs> she just didn't get it because they were too far away for her to see. And she's going, they're carrying alcohol. And I'm like, I don't know, Jack. And then I've got people in the bushes with cameras. And, blah, blah, blah. and then a few people didn't want to dress up as nuns because they were against it. Anyway, when she saw them, and they were like a foot away by the time she saw it, it was her sister, her be- you know, all her best friends and everything. Wow. It was, oh, we laughed. We're still laughing about it. It was so much fun. I mean, I love a good prank. People don't prank as much as they used to. There used to be a whole television series about pranks and things, and you just don't see it as much as you used to. I think everyone's too afraid they're going to get sued. People are too litigious. Oh, God, <laughs> it's getting so boring. Um, I wonder if we'll ever go back to the happy days of... You know, all the crazy stuff that we used to do. I mean, well, right now, speaking of crazy stuff we used to do or, or just things that we do, we're going to do a rapid fire to wrap things up. So we're going to do what's your favorite book of 2023? What's your favorite film of the year? What's your favorite TV show of the year? And what did you binge watch? So let's start with book, your favorite book. I have a great one. It's called Horse. Okay. I can't remember the author. Just Horse. It is one of the best okay. books I have ever ever read. It's brilliant. You? Mine was called Daughter, and it's by Claudia Day, who actually is a very old and close friend of mine. And she's written this magnificent book about family dynamics in a fractured and complex family, about what it's like to be a creative person and with creative parents. She is brilliant and she's a genius and it is amazing. And I went to the book launch for this book and Margaret Atwood herself was there. So you know that when Margaret Atwood is a fan of the author, it's going to be something decent to read. Favorite film of 2023? I didn't see very many films. I have not, I never went to a movie theater in 2023. Had you? I don't think I'll ever go to a movie theater again. Um, oh, I will for sure. I'd like to go and see Saltburn. Salt Farm? No, I haven't seen that. Um, another good book though is Salt Path. That is amazing. Best TV show. Oh, see, the thing is, I'd rather watch some of the series. Woman in the Wall amazing. It's on BBC Catch-Up at the moment, but it'll be on, I'm sure it's going to be on Netflix soon. 
Slow Horses season three. No spoilers. So I, I think, um, what, what's the main actor called in Slow Horses? Um, it's a Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. So there was an article yeah. in the paper the other day about his wife had to move out because he was so disgusting. Oh, because he's a method actor. He doesn't wash in it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. She said, I couldn't live with him, you know, because he just- It's so, his character is so, dis- this is not spoiling anything because it's just who his character is, but his character is so disgusting. His character has like smelly socks is always farting in front of people like it's yeah. just a gross no unwashed hair he washes nose in the, he hairs, washes in like, the office sink in front of everybody oh. with washing up liquid detergent oh, he's so disgusting yeah. but you love him that is a great show but what about our show that we both loved so much season was it season three of it also british crime drama what's that not the crown. You remember it. Was I'm very disappointed no. in the crown. That's not a crime drama. Well, depending on yeah. your perspective. Well, the last episodes are. Um, are you asking me a question or are you making me guess? I'm just making you guess. It was both of our favorites. We watched the whole thing and we were riveted. And you told me that all of England watched the finale of this show, the entire country. Okay, tell me. It's a female cop and a son-in-law who's in prison. It's not Happy Valley. Oh, Happy Valley. It's Happy Valley. Oh, but, well, yeah. oh, without. So Happy Valley, yeah. Happy Valley, all of England watched that finale. And it was so, it's so hard when series are so beloved to really follow up with something that is just as riveting as the first season that you've seen. Which was seven years ago. Which, the last season yes. was seven years ago. But is it, is it on in North America now? Oh, yes. I've watched the whole thing. You have? I told you I was waiting for it to come here. And I had to actually purchase a new streaming membership for BritBox so that I could see it. But now I'm addicted to BritBox anyway. It's fine. Oh, I didn't realize you'd seen it. Wasn't the ending ruthless? Ooh. Oh my gosh. Oh. It was spectacular. And isn't he fantastic, that actor? He is fantastic and gorgeous. Also the sisters one. I think you told me about the one about the sisters. It's an, is it American? It's a group of sisters and they murder someone. Oh, the Irish sisters. That was amazing. I think it's called Bad Sisters, isn't it? Bad Sisters, that's right. So I, I think, to be quite honest, the television series, especially the British ones, I'm sorry to say that, but are so yeah, exceptional. better than the films. They're so yeah, exceptional. And we started watching a movie the other night that I was convinced it was AI, that somebody had just put, okay, let's have a bad guy, a good guy, you know, this guy, or that mm. guy, you know, and they just, let's see what, what muck comes out of it. There's so much rubbish out. It, it's incredibly depressing. Oh, yeah. And everything is just a remake of something that's old. There's not a lot of new ideas, which is why I want to see that film, Saltburn. I've heard it's very good. Okay, we're going to go on to the big finale question. Okay. So the final question. Oh, what's our favorite podcast interview? So as everybody yeah. knows, we're doing some chats like this where we just bore mm-hmm. each other rigid uh, <laughs> and, and completely forget we're being recorded. And then we're really lucky. We've had some fabulous guests from, you know, yes. Rachel Ray to Marilyn Dennis, yeah. Mary Berg, who started a new show. We had Sherry Salata. Sherry Salata, uh, which was Oprah's executive producer, who I know quite well. What's yours? What's yours? I don't know. I think it's hard to pick a favorite because it's sort of like picking a favorite child. But I will say, you know, for our... Canadian listeners, when we look at our statistics, there are a lot of Canadian listeners for this podcast. The Marilyn Dennis interview was really special in the sense that she had just like folded the final curtain on her television program. She's still very much a radio host and a podcast host, but she had closed the curtain on her television show. And this was really the first time that she'd done an interview where she talked about personal reasons for doing that and 
reflected on how much fun it had been doing that show. There was something very emotionally, I think, really special about that episode. And Mayor is such a good friend of both of ours that um, I felt like it was a really natural and really super intimate interview. I get intimidated by some of the other guests. You know, yeah. I thought Sherry Salata was just such a luminous figure and Rachel Ray is such a star. Um, but Marilyn's interview, I thought, was really personal and really sweet between the three of us. And Francis was our, Francis Mays, who wrote Under the Tuscan Sun. Oh, gosh. Well, that was a dream come true for me. Yeah, well, she was our first. What I love about, I mean, Francis does two things to me. One is she reduces me to like, I'm just too useless for words. But also her writing um, is so good and yeah. poetic. I mean, she's a professional writer. She taught writing um, at Stanford. Yeah. You know, she's just an amazing, amazing writer. But she was also my mentor when I moved here. And I met her because I rang her up to ask her to help me because I didn't know where to get my hair cut. I didn't know where to buy kitchen tile. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. One thing I've learned coming and living in a foreign land is that you, you have to, you are on your own making friends and you have to force yourself. And last night at this girl's, it was a dinner in a restaurant, lots of other tables, people I didn't know. And as I said, an American couple came to, we were a little bit loud and a little bit tipsy and we were having an amazing time. Shocking. And, you know, hard to imagine. And there was a couple, a youngish couple sitting behind us. And at the end they came over and, and they said, um, hi, we're from America and um, you're having a really good time. And we said, oh, hi, you know, are you tourists? And this happens all the time here. People, you know. Sure. So, and they said, no, we've just bought a house. And she said, I'm a little nervous because I don't know anybody. Well, within minutes, they were sitting with us. Like Numbers were exchanged. I think she's going off to see a friend of mine today. You know, and, and it's actually, it's, it's essential to do that. Kudos for her. Yeah. Because you can't come to a strange place. And, and you could be talking about the, the middle of a busy city like New York or Toronto, unless you yeah. reach out and get out of your comfort zone and say, hi, my, like you would at kindergarten, my name is Tommy and I have no friends and Debbie, will you be my friend? Nobody's going to do it for you. And I thought no. that was so great of this girl because I do meet people here all the time who say, well, I don't know how to meet people. You, you walk up to people and everybody I know, Francis Mays, incredible writer, you know, I have a wonderful, wonderful Canadian friend who's a philanthropist who lives here, Ludmilla. And I, I met her on Instagram eight years ago. Uh, my Indian gay friends, Bal and Mike. Amazing, amazing. I met them in a restaurant. You know, we both had the same accents because they're from the north of England. We've been friends ever since, you know. I don't think it's very hard for anyone who is a loyal listener or a watcher of your programs over the years would find it hard to believe that you would make easy friends. <laughs> Or that you're always up for a quick chat with a stranger. I think that's a great quality in you. But I may make it easy, but it doesn't yeah. mean that you're just as intimidated and shy as everybody else. But what I've learned, because I moved from the north of England to London, I moved from London mm -hmm. to Canada, I moved from Canada to Tuscany. You know, I've, I've done this several times. When I moved to London and I took the bus, I was 16. I did not know a single person except the old lady who I sat next to on the bus all the way, six hours. And she gave me her phone number and I went for a cup of tea the next day. She introduced me to her daughter. And, you know, I mean, you have to make that effort. Yes. So, okay, nine out of 10 people may tell you to get lost, but they won't because I think we're so in need of friendship today. And it's... You know, I, I demand 
not to be lonely. I demand to make friends. And it is very, very hard, but it gets easier. I think the more you do I it. I think that is a nice way to to wrap up the year because this podcast was born of our friendship. Yeah. And our friendship has really grown and and really blossomed through since kindergarten when you walked up to me and said nobody wants to be my <laughs> since we dated in high school. Oh bugger off you. Anyway, I loved this year in review. I think we should do this every year because obviously we'll be doing this podcast for another 30 years. I want to make sure that people know that you can go back and listen to all of the episodes that we've just spoken about. Tell us your favorite episode of the year at the Trust Me Pod on Instagram and of course at the trustmepod.com. And then I do want to mention that you and I are going to be seeing each other and going on a little road trip in the UK in the next little while. And we're going to have an episode of the podcast out just before Christmas so that while you're gathered with family, or even if you're just hanging out on your own, which is what I'm going to be doing in London. Or peeling potatoes. Yes, peeling potatoes. You can listen to us and have a little bit of Christmas cheer. So we'll see you in London on Christmas Eve. People will be either sobbing over the sink, loathing their family, locked in the bathroom, you know, arguing with their siblings, whatever lovely thing is going on at Christmas. We'll see you on Christmas Eve, or as my cousin Liz used to call it, Twas the Night. Twas the Night. Talk to you on Twas the Night. Bye, Debbie. Bye, my love. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.